You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Understanding the real return of what your investment is making is a very important and very common question. So lot of thing down with us today to talk about four common ways you look at returns through active investments, three common ways for passive investments, and ultimately the most overlooked metric that everyone needs to understand. They'll talk about at the end. Lon, walk us through this, please. I am so glad to be here today. Um, I find a lot of confusion, particularly among the newer investors, about how do I measure success. And I want to talk about what those measures are today and some pros and cons uh, so that you've got kind of a full understanding of all of them. And, and there's no one universally right answer. If there was, we would just use that one perfect one and all the other ones would fade out in the background. So I'm going to talk about this from the point of view of a rental property today, just to, so we have something to work with. Um, it could be a condo, a house, a small apartment building, or it could be like an office building. It'll apply equally to all those. So the first is cash on cash return. And I think this is the one that people tend to gravitate to the first. I put a $100,000 down payment and I had a $10,000 left in my checking account after the end of the year. So I had a 10% cash on cash return, which in this market would be phenomenal to find something like that. So that's really great. And it's one that you definitely want to look at, but it's a little bit simplistic. When you think about the returns for real estate, it's almost like it's like this iceberg and there's a, a really small amount of the ice sticking above the water. That's easy to see. And that's the cash on cash return. Uh, any of the rental property classifications we talked about really have four different ways that they make money for you, though. There's the cash on cash return. There's the appreciation of the property, which I think most people gravitate towards that, but they don't necessarily think about it a lot. The principal pay down as the tenant makes the mortgage payment, they're making the principal amount a little smaller every, uh, every month on the loan. And then probably least understood is the tax benefits, the depreciation that for some investors, it's a modest increase to their cash flow. And if you're active in real estate, the depreciation is a, is a massive improvement to your overall cash flow, but it's really the the interaction of those four together that leads to the overall return. And cash on cash is just a small part of that picture. Um, a cap rate is a moment in time, today's moment in time, most commonly snapshot about how the property is doing. And the way you figure out a cap rate is you take the the top line rent, you take out some vacancy loss. I like to use five percent. You get to collected rent. And then you take out your operating expenses, your OPEX. So I personally like for the condo or a, a house, like to take out 8% for property management, depending on your geography, it might be a little higher, a little lower, 8% for maintenance. Uh, over time, that's historically what I've paid. I just want to set that in a savings account every month. And then whatever my direct expenses are. And that gets to net operating income. Uh, so if I didn't have a loan, that'd be the cash flow. If you take the net operating income divided by the purchase price, that's a cap rate. So uh, in this market, if we could find something on a 6% range, that wouldn't be too bad. Um, as the market changes and interest rates go up, we'll probably see cap rates drift up a little bit, and that'll have some impact on prices. And we're going to explore that in a different episode. That's a whole topic all into its own. Cap rates are most commonly discussed with commercial, but I think it can also be a useful thing to take a look at uh, within the context of uh, houses and condos. GRM is called the gross rent multiplier. That's kind of an old-fashioned one, and that's just taking the rent, let's say we get you know $1,000 a month of rent and we bought a $100,000 house, the GRM is just 100,000 divided by the thousand of rent is 100X. Uh, so occasionally you'll meet investors even in today's market who say, I wanna buy a house on 100 GRM. 
So that means I'm going to pay a half a million dollars here in the Denver market and get 5,000 bucks a month. I'm, I'm looking for that unicorn as well. If I spot it, I'll be sure to let you know, but it's not likely we're going to find that one. Um, GRM, I think, is really good as a first cut. So if, if you're lucky, which we aren't today, that there's a lot of inventory in the market and you've got to evaluate a whole bunch of properties to figure out what small number can I do a detailed analysis on? GRM is actually a, a tool I use a lot to go from the large pool to a small pool. Because if it doesn't have a very attractive GRM, I know none of the metrics are going to fall out to be where I want them to be. So I can just throw them out of the table and just do a detailed analysis on a very small number. And the last one I want to talk about is called the IRR. That's the internal rate of return. And that's the most complicated one to figure out. So um, you can't really do it on a calculator, but you can very easily do it on an Excel. So what IRR will tell you is what average return rate did I get each year over the lifetime of the investment? And I could do that either pre-tax or after-tax, um, but that's the most powerful one by far. So that was a great overview about metrics for directly owned investments, you know, actively investing in real estate. Now, what about uh, someone who's now shifting to passive investing? Because yep. I know some of the ways they measure returns on passive investments are different. Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because we've been working with investors for about 20 years now. And a lot of guys, myself included, I believe you also, um, I'm not as excited about fighting the wars as I used to be <laughs> with tenants and uh, the contractors. So I'm spending more time on passive investments, letting someone else do the heavy lifting for me. So there's a few uh, metrics that you need to be aware of in the passive side. And the first one is cash on cash. So that'll look very familiar to what we just talked about. The second is the internal rate of return, IRR. Um, that is actually the sort of the gold standard metric on the passive side. I feel it should be on the, the active side as well, but it's just it's just not as common for some reason. Um, and why is IRR so important? It, it really captures the idea of compounding of interest. And my favorite quote of all time is by Albert Einstein. And he said, compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. The man who understands it collects it. The man who doesn't understand it pays it. And it's so true for us as investors that you get a return in year one, it gets reinvested, and now you're getting a return on the initial investment plus that extra interest that you've got that you've redeployed. And then the next year, you've got two other little piles of cash earning for you in addition to the initial investment. And over a 20-year period, it's absolutely amazing uh, what that can grow to do for you. Um, so an example for IRR, just in case that you want to see how that might work is, uh, you might invest in a passive investment that we're going to build a new apartment complex in Houston. So in time zero, when you make the initial investment, you send $100,000 into the fund, and that's your part of building this 100-unit complex. And then year two, there's no cash flow at all because we're in construction. Year three, uh, the place is leased up. We've got some cash coming in, and now we can go do a refinance, and we get most, maybe even all, of the initial investment back, but you still own the asset. And then year four, you're getting like maybe a 10 or 12% cash-on-cash return of the initial cash you had in, not really a cash on cash return now is you've got all your cash back, um, but that's just from the profit of running the operation. And then in year five, you might have another year of cash flow from the operation, plus you sell the asset and get another chunk of equity back. The IRR is the only method really to take into account that we've got cash in, cash out, cash in, cash out, and figure out what rate of return did I get. It all tied up in one neat, easy package. And it's a way that's apples to apples for you to compare multiple different investment opportunities in a way that's truly compatible. Um, the last one I want to talk about is called MOIC or Multiple on Invested Capital, M-O-I-C, Multiple on Invested Capital. And this is simply um, how much cash did I end up making 
relative to my initial investment. So um, like on that example of the apartment complex, if I put $100,000 down and over the course of five years, I got 150,000 back, my multiple on invested capital would be 1.5. 150 divided by 100,000, 1.5. So for a lot of people, that's very useful thinking that, well, I'd like to have this much money for my kid to go to college in three years. I can invest this much now. What's my multiple on the capital going to be? How much will I have when I get done with the investment on the back end? This is a really quick way to answer that question. So Moik, I think, has a really good uh, value for an investor from that lens. Uh, the challenge with Moik is it's not sensitive to time. So if I make 150000 on my 100000 initial investment in two years, it's the same multiple of capital as if it took me five years. So I would argue for most people, getting that much return in two years is a whole lot more exciting than making five years. Uh, IRR would tell you that multiple on a capital would not. Lon, this was a great overview. IRR is definitely my favorite metric for what you said. It compares apples to apples across real estate, stocks, businesses. You can measure true returns. And if people want to know more of the details on that, we actually have some case study videos of some investments and funds. So you actually walk through those numbers exactly. This video is more conceptual educational. Yep. So get the concept and then check out the additional videos that actually go through investments that you've made. Yep. And we'll get a full breakdown on here. Now, the third part of this video I want to talk with you, Lon, about is time. Yes. This is a metric that's not peer appear on spreadsheets. Um, I don't see investors using themselves. It took me a couple years investing myself to really start appreciating my time input. How do you incorporate the investor's time as you're comparing these different metrics and investment types. I am so glad that you asked this. Um, I've done so many classes over the last 20 years with people, and a lot of new investors think their time has no value at all, which is completely fascinating. Um, And I think that's why so many new investors tend to think, I want to manage the property myself, which is usually the worst answer for anybody to do. So most of you guys watching this are not unemployed, uh, camping on the street. Most of you are busy professionals who probably, let's say, make $200,000 a year. So if you work, make the math easy for me. If you work 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, you work 2,000 hours. If you make 200 grand, you're making $100 an hour. I think a really important exercise for everybody is to understand what's your hourly rate actually, and what do you want your hourly rate to be? And if you focus on that, you can make your hourly rate higher over time. So When you're investing in real estate, you should think about, I'm investing my time in this and my time has value. So if I'm going to decide, for example, to manage the property myself versus hiring a property manager for 8%, if it takes you X number of hours at your billing rate of 100 bucks an hour, was that a good choice relative to hiring a property manager who might only be $25 an hour to do tasks that most people don't find very entertaining? Um, If you're passionate about like talking to tenants and looking at their leases and evicting them, then by all means, you should do that work. But most people don't want to do that kind of stuff. So the example I kind of gave to Chris earlier is that we've seen people that will decide that I want to get the very best investment in the entire market. And I'm willing to turn over every rock for as long as it takes. So if I've got to spend, a normal investor might spend 40 hours buying a rental place. I'm going to spend 140. I'm going to put an extra 100 hours of work in there. Well, if your billing rate's 100 bucks an hour, you've added an extra $10,000, hundred hours of extra work and hundred bucks an hour is $10,000 of cost to your project. So if it's a hundred thousand dollar investment to buy a rental house, uh, your 10,000 is 10%. If you own it for five years, that's about a 2% per year change. 
if you're really passionate about looking at lots of projects, writing lots of offers, not making it, and keep writing lowball offers until you get it, that, that might be a fit for you. But honestly, uh, your realtor should be able to coach you for any one of the investment types that we're looking at and say, what I see recently is that most investors are making about a 16% IRR. And if that's pleasing to you, I can find you a property that'll meet those parameters relatively quick. If you've got to have the very best one, like the very best one's going to be 18. It's not going to be 50. You're going to have to go through all this extra work. Um, a lot of times it's just not worth it. Just take the easier, more efficient path. That was a great explanation, Lon, about how your time is valued in there. Because, you know, investing in real estate, there's the science, the spreadsheet, and then there's the the art as well, which is how right. much you as investors putting time into it. So this was great. And of course, if our viewers out there want to get more details on the nuts and bolts of these returns, make sure you check out the companion videos with the case studies of all sorts of fun investments. Yep. Thanks a lot, Lon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.